All right, if you guys want to open up your Bibles or power on your Bibles, however you do it, uh, open up to Luke chapter 23. We're starting a new series today as we head up to Easter, and I thought it would be great as a new church moving towards our first Easter together to look at the words of Jesus from the cross. Jesus has, there's kind of like seven words, seven phrases that he gives as he heads towards the cross. And so this is like, you know, he's, a, he's about to die. He's, he's actually hanging on the cross. And these are kind of the last words he has. And for the disciples, it would have been, you know, this is the end. This would have been what we, they thought the last thing that Jesus was going to say to them. I mean, we know that he, he actually rises from the dead, conquers death, and has more words for us. Uh, but there's some, something really significant about the things that he says as he's on the cross that the disciples pick up on that end up in the Gospels. And so I wanted to look at that as we head towards Easter. And so today, this is simply what I wanted to do, to do is we'll read what the, the word is that Jesus says and then reflect on it throughout the week. And so the first word is found today in Luke chapter 23. And in this story, the story opens up, Jesus has just been arrested. And if you're familiar with the story, you'll, you'll know this starts a series of really bad events in the life of Christ. We find that right before he gets arrested, he gets betrayed by like his, one of his uh, disciples, one of his good friends, Judas. And then a- after he gets arrested, one of his closest friends, Peter, denies him. And then as he spends time in jail, we find that he is, he's mocked by the guards. He's beaten. He goes on trial. He's originally arrested by kind of like the Jewish officials, but the Romans are kind of in control of the area that he's living in. So the Romans are involved, and he goes back and forth with these trials with this guy named Pontius and with this guy named Herod. Uh, we find that those guys are rivals. They don't like each other, but then as they're dealing with Jesus, all of a sudden they become like really good friends. And so he's like uniting his enemies against each other. Or, and so like there's all these things happening. And then we find more details of what happens as Jesus goes to the cross. We find that he's, uh, he's whipped by uh, this, this whip that is called uh, the cat of, of nine tails. And he's whipped 40 times minus one. And they would say if, if you were to be whipped 40 times by this whip, you'd probably die. Uh, what we know about this whip is that it's got like, it's a whip, but it's got these metal chunks put into it. So when you get whipped and they would pull, it would literally like rip the skin off your back. So Jesus goes through this severe beating where he's hit, hit by this whip 39 times. And then we know that he carries, goes to the cross. He's so weak and beat up at this point. They have someone else help carry the cross for him. They shove this crown of thorns on his head. And, uh, and then they hoist him up. And he's up on this cross, completely beaten up and bloody. And you can imagine like what's going through his mind, what Jesus is feeling as he's up on the cross. Completely beat up, completely bloodied been betrayed by his close friends, been mocked and ridiculed, and he's sitting there up there on the cross. And these are the words that we get from Jesus as he he is up there. And it's in Luke chapter 23. Start in actually verse 32. It says, Two other men, both criminals, were also led out to be executed. And when they came to the place called the Skull, There they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And then Jesus said this, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. So Jesus, in the midst of uh, being executed, after being beat up, says these words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They don't know what they're doing. Forgiveness is what Jesus offers. This radical idea where he, in the midst of him being completely beat up, bludgeoned, and murdered, 
intervenes and says, God, forgive these people who are doing this to me, for they know not what they do. Powerful words when you really reflect on it and you think about what's actually happening. Uh, Forgiveness. Forgiveness is a radical thing. Forgiveness is an essential to what life of Christ is all about. Forgive. Learning to forgive. Forgiveness, when we ask kind of what is it, if we unpack it a little bit, what we'd find is that it comes from this Greek word, atheimai, and it means this, to send off or to release. Think about that. Forgiveness is to send something off or to release it, to let it go. won't break into that song. (laughs) But to let go of destructive feelings such as anger, bitterness, and revenge. These are the kind of feelings that we have the right to feel them because something has happened to us. But when we don't let go of these feelings, they actually can poison us. They poison our relationship with God, and they poison our relationship with others. So this act of forgiveness is actually letting go of these things, to send them off, to let them go. Uh, Ernest Hemingway tells a story about the town, the city of Madrid in Spain. And he talks about in Madrid, there are, you know, this name, Paco, is a very common name there. Paco would be the same as like the name John here in our country, or Michael. Everyone's named John or Michael. Or our daughter, Sophia. There's like 12 Sophias in her class. Paco's this very common name. Ernest Hemingway tells a story about this, this father who had a son named Paco. And this father was, and his son were estranged from each other. They had this falling out, and they hadn't spoken to each other in years. Uh, so the father comes to Madrid, and he's looking for his son, can't find him anywhere, so he has this bright idea. He's going to put an ad in the newspaper to say uh, to his son Paco uh, that he wants to meet him, that all are forgiven. Everything has been forgiven. So he writes up this ad, and he says, uh, to my son Paco, I just wanted you to know everything is forgiven, and I'd like to meet with you outside of this hotel on this such and such day. That day rolls around, and the father shows up, hoping to, that, that Paco, his son, would have seen the ad in the newspaper, and what he finds is 800 men named Paco show up, hoping to receive forgiveness. And Hemingway talks about how it's kind of a funny thing because it's a joke on the name, you know, everyone's named Paco. But then looking deeper, like there's this huge need that people have because relationships are torn to be forgiven. And for Paco, it was this, he was coming, hoping to receive forgiveness from his father, which they actually had this connection. There was this reconciliation. It was great. I don't know what happened to the other 799 Pacos, but there's this great need. We all have this desire. We have people where things have just fallen apart and we need forgiveness. That happens with us. That happens with God. And so forgiveness is to let go. It's to to release something. In this story, as Jesus is on the cross, we find these words. Jesus shows us that God is a God who forgives. God is a God who forgives. And this is good news. We think about everything that, that God has endured in this world, uh, but he is a God who loves us so much, he forgives us. There's this verse in, in Micah, if we go to this next slide, Micah 7 says this, who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all of our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Who is a God like you? Our God is a God who forgives. And Jesus, who is the revelation of what God is like. This is God in flesh and blood. This is the image of the invisible God. As he's on the cross, after he's been beaten up, he's getting ready to be executed, has these words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This is a message of God's love on the cross, a message of forgiveness, 
a message that God uh, has let go of all the things that we do that are part of our own brokenness, that are part of our own greed, that are part of our own selfishness. God has let those things go on the cross, and he forgives us. God is a God who forgives. God is a God who forgives. Who is a God like you? Our God forgives. We find in Romans chapter 5 these words that while we were still in our sin, God forgives us. And that is kind of the message that all of this is centered around, this idea that God loves us so much that no matter what we do, where we're from, who we are, where we go, he forgives us. He forgives us. So the action step when we understand that our God, his heart is to forgive, to let things go, is to receive it, is to receive forgiveness. So we receive forgiveness that that God offers us, that Jesus on the cross says, Father, forgive these people for they do not know what they do. Forgiveness is part of the character of our God. That's a big deal because as we start this relationship with God, as we receive, there's something deeply connected with what God has done for us and then what we actually do with other people, how we interact with our friends, our neighbors, our family. If God is a God who forgives, then his people, then his followers should be people who forgive. And Jesus talks that this connection between how we forgive other people and what God has done forgiving us, this connection is actually really strong and really deep. In Matthew chapter 6, he, he, he talks about this connection. He says, those who, who are not able to forgive have not been forgiven because they don't really understand what this forgiveness thing is all about. If they have not been able to forgive, then they're not even forgiven. And he tells this story. There's this parable. Go to the next slide. So we, we forgive because God, because God forgives us. We forgive. There's this deep connection. We forgive others because God forgives us. This, this story, there's a story of this parable, the parable of the unmerciful servant. In our men's Bible study, they're actually up to this passage this week. And there's this, this story about this king who has a, a servant that owes him this great debt. And it says that the debt is so large that it can never be repaid. This, millions of dollars for their time period. And the guy could spend the rest of his life working to repay this debt to the king and wouldn't be able to repay it. So the king says to the man that owes him the debt, I'm going to imprison you and your family, and all of you are going to basically work as my slaves until you can repay it. The man falls on his face crying out, saying, be patient with me. Let me figure this out. Let me do whatever I can do, but don't, don't punish me for this debt. And it says the king looks at him, and he has this great pity on the man. And he says, out of the, the compassion that he has, I'm going to forgive the debt. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to release it. And you don't owe me anything. This unbelievable story of compassion of this king who lets this guy off the hook. And then we find that this guy who's been let off the hook goes out and finds a man that owes him like $100, owes him a little bit of money. And what we find is that he's absolutely cruel to this man. And he says, you owe me $100. You have to repay me. And until you do that, I'm going to come down with this punishment on you. Absolutely harsh to this man that owes him the money. The king gets word of this. The king finds out uh, this story that the man that he had forgiven this great debt has not the ability in his heart to forgive even a small debt. What we find is they have this interaction uh, where the king comes after him. He calls him this foolish person. How could you do this? If I have forgiven this great massive debt, millions of dollars, let you off the hook, saved your family, but that you couldn't able to interpret that and to, to, to share that with someone else, to forgive someone else, of a much smaller debt. And he calls him this wicked, foolish person. 
There's something deeply connected with how we forgive other people with what God has done for us. And we forgive because God has forgiven us. We forgive because God has forgiven us. This is something that I think, as Christians, we have to put on display. We have to put on display forgiveness in this world. You watch the nightly news, you know, it seems like this world's spinning out of control. There's so much anger, there's so much tension, there's so much revenge that's being sought out. And Christians, followers of Jesus, need to be these agents of forgiveness in our culture. I love what N.T. Wright says when he talks about this idea of what it means to follow Jesus. And I think when it comes to our own forgiveness, God forgiving us, he says, the point of following Jesus isn't simply so that we can be sure of going to a better place than this after we die. Our future beyond death is enormously important, yes, but the nature of the Christian hope is such that it plays back into the present life. And I think that's what forgiveness does. Not only has God forgiven us, but it plays back into this present life. We're called here and now to be instruments of God's new creation. The world put to rights, which has already been launched in Jesus, in which Jesus' followers are supposed to be not simply beneficiaries, but also agents. We are agents of forgiveness in this world because we have been forgiven. There's something deeply connected with understanding what God has done for us and then how we interact with other people as followers of Jesus, made in the image of God, forgiving others. Ian Lamont says that the danger in when we don't forgive, so she says, not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and waiting for the rat to die. And I think this is what happens. When we're not able to forgive others, these feelings are like toxins, they're poison to our relationships. And if we really understand forgiveness of what God has done for us, if we really understand uh, the depths of that forgiveness, then we should actually live it out. And if we can't live it out, if we have these things like bitterness and anger and revenge that are harboring in our heart, then we probably have missed the message of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. So we forgive because God forgives us. And the action step here is to release people, to release the things that we are holding against others for what they've done for us. The action step is we receive forgiveness from God and then we release it to other people. We release it to other people. And finally, we forgive not only because God forgives, but we, re- we forgive as God forgives us. We forgive as God forgives us. Um, I know in my life, I'm a very prideful person. Um, I also tend to be very uh, cynical and skeptical, and uh, it's hard for me to forgive. It's like C.S. Lewis says, forgiveness is this great idea until you actually have to try it and put it into action. It's hard to do. It's not just something that you can click on or click off and, and everything's all great. I've lived a pretty sheltered life, but I've had a couple things that have happened to me that have been really painful and really have hurt me. And, um, and as a pastor, you talk about forgiveness all the time, and then trying to put it into place, uh, trying to put it into action is extremely difficult. And if we forgive as God forgives, understanding the depths of what he's forgiven, um, understanding the parable of the merciful servant, um, what we find is that forgiveness is actually a process. It's not just something that happens overnight. It's something that we work at over and over again. We forgive as God forgives. This is part of, I believe, working out kind of what the salvation means. And so it's something that we start by simply releasing, um, but then we actually have to work at it. One of the more powerful stories on forgiveness, I think, 
I've ever heard is of this woman named Cora Ten Boom. Have you guys ever heard of Cora Ten Boom? She's kind of this agent of forgiveness and, and uh, was alive during kind of World War II. And uh, her story goes, um, her family was in Holland and they were basically protecting Jewish people from the Nazis and they were, harbor, they were having them in their home, keeping them safe. They've ended up getting caught, caught protecting the Jews and she gets put to this concentration camp with her sister. And we find out that eventually her sister dies. She survives it. Uh, World War II ends, and then Europe is left with this mess of everyone's been killing each other for years. So what do we do? How do we repair these relationships? And Corrie ten Boom, who's been treated unjustly, who's been put into this concentration camp that's been imprisoned, um, really out of her great love for people, um, treated unjustly, is now left with this choice. Does she continue to be, to be bitter and upset about what's happened uh, what the Nazis have done to her by killing her sister, killing so much of her family and friends, um, she decides to, to do something else. She decides as a follower of Jesus that this forgiveness thing is actually a pretty big deal. So what we find is she goes around, she starts preaching forgiveness. So she goes into Germany, starts preaching this message of forgiveness to the Germans, letting them know that we're trying to repair these relationships, that forgiveness is more powerful because of what God has done. The depth of forgiveness is more powerful than the sin and brokenness that we've done to each other. She tells this story of going into this church in Germany, and she gives this amazing talk on forgiveness, and all of these people are inspired by it, and afterwards they're coming up to greeting her. And there's this one man that comes up to greet her, and as soon as she sees him, she recognizes that this man is different. She's seen him before, and then it clicks. This is one of the guards from the prison camp, from the concentration camp that she was in. Not only was this one of the guards, this is one of the executioners in the camp. And as he walks forward, she sees him dressed in these kind of casual clothes. And she says in her mind, she gets these like flashbacks, like almost in a movie where it's like all of a sudden he's wearing his uniform and he's got kind of like the, the German skull, the, the icon of the executioner on it. And he's walking forward towards her and she realizes that this guy, not only was he in the execution camp, but he was one of the guys that kind of led her sister out of the, the room and she never saw her again. So she just completely freezes, her knees buckles, just her heart turns cold. And she just gave this message on forgiveness. The, the man walks forward, and he says, I, I, your message is, has been unbelievably inspiring. And, and you talked about this concentration camp. I was actually a guard there. And she realizes that this guy doesn't recognize her. Of course he doesn't recognize her, because when she was in the concentration camp, her head was shaved and she was naked. And this man has seen her like that. And she says she, she's standing there across from this guard and talking about forgiveness, and now actually having to put it into place. She says this is one of the most difficult things she's ever done in her life. And the man says, I just want you to know that since the war, I did all these terrible things, and since the war, I found Jesus. I became a Christian, and I'm wondering, would you forgive me? And he extends his hand to Corey, and Corey has this moment where she's like, you know, what, what can I do? Grab the hand of the man that probably murdered my sister. And she says, just giving this message of forgiveness and then actually having this moment where it has to be put into action. The intensity of that moment, she says, is just unbelievable. And she has all these thoughts going through her mind, all these things she wants to say to the guy, all these things that she wants to do. And, as he, and he talks, he extends his hand again, and he says, would you forgive me? She reaches out her hand, and she grabs it. She says, in that moment, she felt this love of Christ like never before. It was one of the most powerful, significant moments of her life to extend a hand to send a hand and forgive after such a terrible thing that's happened. And then what we find is that she has this moment of this initial forgiveness, but then she carries it with her. This I've seen this executioner again. She carries it with her beyond that meeting. 
And there's these moments where his face then starts to haunt her uh, in her sleep. And she realizes that forgiveness isn't just something that we switch off. This isn't just something that we turn off. But it's something that is this process, this practice that we put into place. I wanted to read these words about this idea of forgiveness from William Paul Young, who wrote this book called The Shack. He says this about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not about forgetting. It is about letting go of another person's throat. Forgiveness does not create relationship, though. Unless people speak the truth about what they have done and change their mind and behavior, a relationship of trust is not possible. When you forgive someone, you certainly release them from judgment. Without true change, no real relationship can be established. Forgiveness in no way requires that you trust the one that you forgive. But should they finally confess and repent, you discover a miracle in your heart that allows you to reach out to begin to build between you a bridge of reconciliation. Forgiveness does not excuse anything. You may have to declare your forgiveness a hundred times the first day and the second, but the third day will be less in each day after until you one day realize that you have forgiven completely. And then one day you will pray for the wholeness of that person. Corey Timboom talks about how she goes through this process of forgiving this guy and it continues to haunt her. She finally has this conversation that makes her kind of understand what forgiveness is. She's in this old Lutheran church in Germany talking to this pastor. The pastor looks up at the bell tower and he says, you see that bell tower? Every day the sexton goes up and he rings the bell and he pulls the rope and he pulls the rope to ring the bell for how many you know, hours are in the day, that kind of thing. He says, but something happens as he's yank, pulling on the rope. At some point, he releases the rope. But the bell keeps ringing. The ding, the dong keeps ringing after he releases the, releases the bell. But as it keeps ringing, it gets quieter each time. And finally, the ding and the dong fades out. He says, this is what forgiveness is like. Forgiveness is simply making the decision to let go of the rope, but you're still going to hear the sounds of the ding and the dong. But the farther you get away from releasing the rope, the quieter those sounds get. The bell stops eventually, and you have forgiveness. This is what Corey Ten Boom said. After that, she started to really understand what forgiveness is. That forgiveness is releasing something, and then there's still this process, process of letting go. So the action would be this. We forgive as God forgives. Forgiveness is like a ringing bell. We must extend something. There's something that we release internally, but then externally we extend. So today, the words of Jesus are, forgive them for they know not what they do. God has forgiven us. We forgive because God forgive, forgave us. We forgive as God forgives. And it's not an easy thing to do. So we release, but this we also extend. If we put forgiveness into pra- practice, if we know this isn't just something that we turn off, um, but it's going to be this process of the bell getting quieter and quieter, these are some things that would, I, would, I think are helpful as we seek to forgive people. The first is simply start here. Resist revenge and repaying wrongdoing with that person. If you could just say, I'm just going to resist wanting to revenge and get back at this person. Um, Start there. And also pray for their welfare and wish them well. To actually pray for the person that's harmed you. To pray for the person that you're bitter towards. And then finally start to grieve at their calamities and aid them in their distress. Seek reconciliation as far as it depends on you. Forgiveness is something that we release, but then we have to actually put it into practice. So I don't know 
what you carry into the room today when it comes to relationships with other people. I think all of us are like Paco. We're seeking forgiveness from someone. All of us are like Paco's dad. We need to give forgiveness to someone else. I know where you're at today. The message of Jesus from the cross, the last words, are, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We live in a world where we're constantly being hurt. There's brokenness all around us. There's dysfunction. Forgiveness is this radical idea that God is using to put the world back together. Maybe today um, you're holding on to bitterness. Maybe you're holding on to anger. Um, Maybe you are seeking revenge. Maybe it's something very simple that is really not that big of a deal, but you can't let it go. Or maybe there's this deep hurt that's wounded you and you've dealt with it for years. And you've tried to come to seek forgiveness, but it just keeps coming back to you. I don't know where you are on that pendulum, but the challenge today is to forgive others as God has forgiven us. So as we go towards communion, communion is a time where we remember what God has done for us on the cross. Communion represents God's body, which is broken open, and his blood that is poured out. That is where forgiveness is found. When we we come to Christ and we understand that he takes the punishment of all the sin, of all the brokenness, of all the bad things people have done in the world, and he takes it out on Jesus on the cross, and he absorbs it, then he conquers all of it, and he conquers death, he conquers sin, When we take communion, we remember that. Now, here's something I've also found. Not only do we trust that Jesus has done that for us and forgiven us, but when it comes to forgiveness, what Jesus has done on the cross actually takes the punishment of the sin of what people have done to me as well. And so when I come to communion, um, I'm remembering what God has done for me and what God has done for those who have done painful things to me. We put our trust in God, knowing that he is forgiving, that he's punishing the sin of the world, that he's absorbing it on the cross and then releasing it. And maybe today, the person that's harmed you, what you need to do is simply trust that Jesus took care of that action on the cross. To be a follower of Jesus means to trust in that, to trust the cross, that it's good enough for you, but it's also good enough for those who've done things to you. Um, So Matt's going to come up. And uh, we're going to close in prayer. We're going to close in a time of communion. When you're ready, feel free to move to communion. And maybe you've never felt like you've received forgiveness from God. Maybe that's a brand new idea to you. I'd love to talk to you about relationship with God, what that looks like. Uh, It's simply receiving. Maybe you've received, but you've never released forgiveness. You've never been able to release it to other people. You've never been able to extend it. But as we close today, these are the words to keep in mind. We receive it, we release it, and we extend it. If any of you have uh, just any heaviness in your hearts, any hurt that you need prayer for, um, I'd love to meet with you and pray. Uh, Please let me know, and we'll pray over what's going on in your life. Forgiveness is a process, but the process starts with simply letting go of the rope. And today, that's my hope for you, is that you would do that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this day. Lord, we thank you for your love for us, your great and vast love. Lord, as you're on the cross, you're beaten up, you've been betrayed by your best friends, you've been mocked uh, by those who don't understand you. You've been tortured physically. You look out at the world and you say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Lord, we want to be a people of forgiveness. We want to understand what you've done. 
and the power that comes from that. Lord, and we want to reciprocate that to others. So today, Lord, let these words be on our mind. Let us know this is one of the most difficult things to do, to set uh, someone free, to find that we're setting ourselves free. Lord, we give you this time. In your son's name we pray.